Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on DuckStream. I am your host, Alexis Downey. You are listening to episode 63, and thank you for joining us today because it's trade deadline week. A lot of news already happening around the NHL, and we're expecting to see plenty more as we get closer to Friday, that deadline at 3 p.m. Eastern time, noon Pacific. Now, the Ducks have already been a little bit active, not too active, but have made some moves on Tuesday. They claim Scott Harrington off waivers this morning. Now, the defenseman was with the San Jose Sharks this season, but he was a part of the Timo Meyer trade to New Jersey on Sunday. But then the Devils put him on waivers on Monday and the Ducks picked him up today. Now, he played 28 games this season in San Jose with seven points through those games, one goal and six assists. The last game he played was back on the 25th against Chicago for San Jose, so not that long ago. And a little bit of background on Harrington. He was selected in the 2011 NHL draft by Pittsburgh in the second round. 54th overall. He's 29 years old from Kingston, Ontario. Now the Ducks will place Anthony Stolarz on the injured reserve to make room for him on the roster. And then also off the top two on the news end today, the Ducks traded fourth rounder and 101st overall pick from the 2019 draft. Henry Thrun to the San Jose Sharks for a third round pick in the 2024 draft. Now Thrun chose not to sign with the Ducks, thus this trade happening. He was playing for Harvard in NCAA hockey and had 26 total points this season and 28 games played. Now, if you look at the fact that he was a fourth-round pick back when he was drafted and the Ducks are getting a third-round pick in exchange for him, I think that's a pretty good deal. The Ducks also finished off their road trip on Saturday over the weekend in Raleigh against the Carolina Hurricanes. That was a pretty big win for the team, three to two and an incredible performance from John Gibson once again in the net that earned him some honors this week. So let's get to AD's takeaways from that game and then also the game that the Ducks played on Monday at Honda Center. Anaheim was able to end Carolina's five-game win streak with this win on Saturday. Now, the game was scoreless through the first period of play. The Ducks not generating a lot in that first period, but they were able to pick it up in the second and third. And Troy Terry back in the lineup for game two after being out from that upper body injury scored again. So scoring in consecutive games since returning. And then also, like I mentioned, John Gibson made 51 saves on 53 shots in this game, and that earned him the third star of the week for the NHL after he made a total of 143 saves through the three games that he played in on the trip. That was the most in the league last week, and he had a 2-0-1 record. Just outstanding play from Gibson, and it's really no surprise as we've seen that so much this season. He's kept the Ducks in a lot of games now, I thought that this was a good team effort, despite the fact that the Ducks only had 16 shots on goal. Not the best effort overall offensively, obviously, if you look at that, but they were able to hold Carolina, and a big part of that was the defensive play from John Gibson. Now the Ducks then returned back to Honda Center on Monday night for a three-game homestand this week, hosting the Chicago Blackhawks on Monday, and the Hawks were riding a season-high 
five-game win streak heading into the night. A lot of momentum in their play as of late. But Anaheim stopped that. So let's take a look at that game. A couple of things to note heading into this game. The Blackhawks were without Patrick Kane as he was sitting out for trade deadline reasons. And that is something I will get to very soon. And the team also did announce that forward Sam Lafferty and defenseman Jake McCabe were traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs early in the day on Monday. So some moves ahead of the game. But the Ducks played an even first period, eight and eight shots from both sides. The second period wasn't exactly the strongest until the end when Max Jones was able to get the Ducks ahead I really liked what we saw out of the line of Max Jones, Mason McTavish, and Troy Terry. They combined for seven points in this game. They looked very cohesive together. A lot of chemistry on the group, too. And now Troy Terry has goals in three consecutive games since returning. His goal on the night coming as the final one, making it a 4-2 to two win. Like I said, a strong third period of play from the Ducks. And they showed some fight in this one, too. They ended up out shooting Chicago 33 to 26, and they were able to capitalize on a power play. And then following the game, head coach Dallas Aiken spoke with us about the elevated role that Max Jones has earned in his recent games. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he, he, he's earned the extra ice time that, he, that he's getting. And it's taken uh, Jonesy a, a while to kind of find his role. He's constantly looking for, for more. Um, but, but I think he's just wrapped his head around that he's going to go up and down his wing. He's going to use his body. He's going to get in on the forecheck. Uh, and he's going to take pucks to the net when he can. And, uh, you know, tonight I think you saw that on display uh, where, where he's able to take that puck to the net. Like, people uh, underestimate how big he is and how strong he is and how fast he is. And um, I, I thought he had a pretty good night. Let's step back and look at the entire NHL. As I've mentioned, there's been plenty of news, but we're going to start with the goal calls today, beginning, of course, with the Ducks and Blackhawks game on Monday night. And speaking of Max Jones, let's take a listen to his goal from the second period with Steve Carroll on the call. 30 seconds to play. Here is Vetrano for Max Jones. Slides one out of the reach of Johnson. Puck comes outside the blue line. Played by Murphy, stolen by McTavish, in front for Jones, he scores! Max Jones! With 17.5 left in the period, from Mason McTavish, the crowd erupts, the Ducks lead 3-2. The Ottawa Senators taking on the Detroit Red Wings also on Monday. The Senators are two points behind the Red Wings in the Atlantic right now, and they took the 6-2 win at Canadian Tire Center. Now, something happened during warmups in this one. NHL Network did a live look-in, and Claude Giroux took a puck to the back of the head after it was bounced off the glass from goaltender Cam Talbot, but he ended up being okay and having a four-point night, including a goal and three assists. His goal came in the second period off a really nice stretch pass from Dylan Gambrel. Listen to the call of the goal from Dean Brown. Shabbat pokes the puck to the corner. And out to center, long lead, pass to the line and in. Here comes Giroux, scores! Let's the slow roller do the work, sweep, hurry hard. That makes it 3-2 Ottawa. 
And of course, we have to finish it off with probably the biggest game on Monday night. The Boston Bruins taking on the Edmonton Oilers, the battle of two very dominant teams, Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. And Connor McDavid got the scoring going just two minutes and 17 seconds into this game. And then he'd go on to do it again in the second period, getting his 50th goal of the season. This is his first 50 goal season in the NHL. And overall, he has 115 points. That is just absolutely absurd. He is playing out of his mind this season. And if you look at it, the closest guy behind McDavid in goals right now is David Pasternak, who has 42 of them. So eight goals behind him at this point in the season before the trade deadline. That is unbelievable. Ched Radio, 6.30 a.m. has the goal call for McDavid's 50th. As Costin gets down to it, takes it left side, in front of the net to McDavid, scores! There's number 50, and this game is tied at two. Now, there was no scoring in the third period. The Bruins ultimately taking the win in this one, 3-2. to two. And it was Pavel Zaka who had the late goal in the second period that put the Bruins ahead. Now, the Bees have 97 points leading the NHL right now, and they have only eight losses this season, and they've won seven in a row right now. Judd Surratt has the call of Zaka's goal. Krejci tries to get it. Zaka doing the dirty work, slings it up top, left point, forward, far side, Pasternak shakes up top, shoots, deflected left of the cage. They score! Pavel Zaka! Would not be denied. Worked his way through a check and while diving, shoveled it over the top and under the crossbar. Bruins three, Oilers two. I've mentioned the NHL trade news, so now we get to talk about it a little bit. Timo Meyer found his new home in New Jersey. So much speculation as to where he might end up. And it's with the Devils. And the trade saw four players and three draft picks going to the San Jose Sharks from the Devils. There was a lot of details in this one, but the headline was Meyer. The winger has 52 points in 57 games played with the Sharks this year. And Devils head coach Lindy Ruff told the media that if he's healthy, he'll play on a line with Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes with the Devils. I'm excited to see how Meyer fits in with that team on the East Coast. And another really big trade headline that has unofficially officially happened as of this point when I am recording, it sounds like Patrick Kane has found his home and he's going to be a New York Ranger, according to Frank Saravalli, as he is expected to be acquired from Chicago for a 2023 second round pick. But that pick can become a first round pick and then a fourth round pick as well. Now, Emily Kaplan reported that the Arizona Coyotes will be the third party team in this trade as well. So Patrick Kane is officially heading to the Big Apple. So to talk about everything that's happening in this crazy week in the NHL, Arda O'Cal jumps on the show today in this next segment. Arda gives his perspective of trade deadline news as well as what he's looking for the rest of this week. Take a listen. Joining Light the Lamp now is studio host for the NHL on ESPN, Arda O'Cal. Arda, great to have you join us with this crazy trade deadline week that it's been. How are you doing? 
Uh, Alexis, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me onto the show, uh, talking with all you great Ducks fans. Uh, I will say that I wish the GMs waited a few more days to announce all these trades because we have a trade deadline show. So what are we going to talk about now? Things that happened on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, so I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that maybe there's like trades that we haven't heard about yet mm -hmm. that are being worked on that we can announce on Friday, which would be awesome. But I mean, it's been busy, right? Mm-hmm. It's crazy how much has happened already. I mean, in the past week and then it's only Tuesday. So you're right. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> Come Friday. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's like who, who's left on the board, right? Like we're seeing, so uh, it's Tuesday as we talk right now, there's like multiple trades happening and it's like, mm -hmm. these GMs are not sleeping right now. And no. it's like, ah, can we just cool it just a bit? But nevertheless, it's, it's fun for us hockey fans. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, one of those names that is still on the board is Jacob Chikrin. And it seems that this has been an ongoing thing for a while now. I mean, do you think that He's potentially been overhyped with the way this has gone down and the way the Coyotes have been in handling Chikrin. So here's the thing. So this is like year two that we're talking about Jacob Chikrin, right? Like right. this was the same situation last trade deadline. This kind of reminds me of Tarasenko, but Tarasenko requested a trade, what, two years ago, and it finally happened, and that mm -hmm. saga's over. And this saga between the Coyotes and Chikrin is ongoing. At this point, though, I guess if I'm looking at it from the lens of a hockey fan, if that trade does not happen, I don't think I'll be disappointed because we've had so much action that it almost feels like at times throughout the last few days, I've almost forgotten about the fact that it's been how many days like this is almost unprecedented territory, right? Mm -hmm. Alexis, like how many days has he sat out due to trade related purposes? Yeah. Like we haven't really seen that in the NHL where it's like seven, eight, nine games or however long it's been, maybe one or two. Sure. But mm -hmm. the length of time that he's essentially been away from the club and the fact that we haven't heard anything, we've heard suitors, we've heard rumors, but we haven't heard an actual trade. Mm -hmm. uh, that's surprising. So it's, it's, it's sort of unprecedented territory that we're getting in, in terms of uh, the situation that, that like all the moving parts there, but um, if a trade happens, certainly, I guess maybe the Coyotes are just looking for the right uh, return. Uh, they feel like there's a certain value there and a certain uh, expectation that they have. And maybe suitors have not been giving them that. So uh, I would guess that that would be the case. Well, a big one that happened today, unofficially official, we'll say Patrick Kane on Broadway. I mean, it was basically locked in, but we were just waiting to hear when it was going to happen. And... Now he's going to be a New York Ranger, it sounds like. Yeah. So what is he going to provide for New York as they move into the rest of the season? So first of all, like 10-year-old Trevor Zegris would be over the moon for this, right? <laughs> right. Like he'd be like doing cartwheels and backflips and he'd yeah. be like the happiest person <laughs> in the world uh, as a kid growing up. Uh, well, the, the, the talk about sagas. This one's been really interesting. Mm -hmm. What I particularly interesting to me was this was being discussed even before Tarasenko joined the Rangers. Mm -hmm. And that was the trade or the move that we all thought was going to happen. Patrick Kane to New York. There were only two teams really that were sort of rumored out there, right? Toronto and New York. And everyone was already thinking like there was one guy. We saw the video of the guy already having a Patrick Kane Rangers jersey. <laughs> like the people yep. were already foreshadowing this. Right. <laughs> but but then when Tarasenko got traded, Patrick Kane made those comments and you could tell that it, it just felt to me 
from someone who obviously isn't privy to the conversations that this was far uh, far into those talks and something happened. And so Patrick Kane was probably maybe blindsided by this Mm -hmm. or unhappy that it occurred because he wanted to go there and he wanted to chase another Stanley Cup or 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 whatever the case may be. And I found it interesting. Like, I I thought about this all season long for Kane and for Taves before the, the health news. The, this isn't a Ray Bork situation where they hadn't won a Stanley Cup and they're nearing the twilight of their career and they're going to go have one last hurrah somewhere, like one last chance at the Cup, and then this magical moment happens, right? Like, they were part of a dynasty. They mm-hmm. had their Stanley Cups. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I've asked a lot of our analysts, like, does that fire to win ever go away, even if you've won multiple Cups? And the answer is always no. You always want to win a Stanley Cup. But the other things factor in, too, like family and, mm-hmm. you know, uprooting and moving and 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 all these things. Like even Marc-Andre Fleury said at the start of the season, like right. I was hesitant to move somewhere. Right. So those fact those factor in, especially if you've won Stanley Cups, especially if you're making a great salary, especially if you're already established as one of the he's, he's going to go down as the, perhaps the greatest American born player ever. Right. Like right. he's 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 approaching that territory. He's going to get there in points, et cetera, whatever the case may be. So like. All of these things weigh in at that point in your career. And so I was wondering, like, will they just say, yeah, it's fine. We'll just we'll just end our careers in Chicago. But after Tarasenko got traded, you could tell that that fire was still there and the way that he spoke to the media about it. And I found it interesting that there was still this back and forth between the two teams. Like, no, get this done. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to try to uh, to make a deep playoff run and. Just make it happen for me. And the Blackhawks, to their credit, did make that happen. And they mm-hmm. got, uh, you know, two picks in return. Uh, Patrick Kane, obviously, there's going to be conversations in the offseason, wherever those may be. But all we know now is that, and, and, and please, please let me, like, let's let's have a conversation about this. That might be the, what, top one, two, three, top six forwards in, in the NHL right now with the addition of Kane on paper. That's a, yeah. That is a stacked, stacked forward Absolutely. lineup. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it, it's going to be... I mean, New York fans have got to be ecstatic to have him. I And I think also having that talent around him in general is only going to elevate his game even further. Yeah, that's the thing is that a lot of people are saying, oh, he's regressed. He's not the same he used to be. Look at the last few games. I look mm-hmm. at the Toronto game as an example. Now, listen, I'm not a con- like I'm not saying this is a conspiracy theory. I'm not saying this as a like, you know, a jealous ex-lover type of thing. But like. If Toronto was truly in the sweepstakes and then they were out of the sweepstakes and I'm a player, if it was me as an athlete in that situation and I'm going to play against the Maple Leafs and they just scorned me and they're like, no, we don't want you anymore. And I want to go to a contender and they were one of my two picks. I'm putting on a show and it was showtime. He had a hat trick. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's only one game and whatever. A lot of people were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like he was just having a good game, whatever the case may be. That motivation is in there. And that also, but more generally, that showed you that it's still in there. In general, mm-hmm. he'll be motivated as soon as he gets to the Rangers, no matter who he plays. And he's got a lot of options. What do you got? You got Kreider, Zabanajad, Panarin, Tarasenko. You got like on paper, that entire team, top to bottom, Alexis, that is scary. If they all perform well, just mm-hmm. Sturkin and net Adam Fox. You got a Norris trophy uh, candidate battler. Jacob Truba is a physical presence. You got forwards that are just like in cr- picking up Tyler Mott even to, to for depth. Man, that is a scary lineup. And you look at the East as a whole, I mean, between New York, Tampa, Toronto, even, you know, Carolina too. Do you think that, I mean, there's been the conversation a lot that I've seen where the East is just really outweighing the West right now in the NHL. But do you think the West is going to have a shot in the playoffs? 
I think the West is going to have a great shot in the final. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like whatever East team gets out of the East, they're going to be more tired or have yeah. played better quality competition than mm-hmm. the West. Like and and look, look, look at it statistically. Like right now, you look at the odds to win the Stanley Cup. Six of the seven teams that have the best odds to win the Stanley Cup are in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Carolina, New York, New Jersey, Toronto, Tampa, Boston are leading the way, and, and Colorado's in the mix as well. Now, think about this. I know that this is not the greatest thing to say. If the playoffs started today, they don't <laughs> get it. But like it's likely, Alexis, right? Like it's likely that we're gonna get a Toronto Tampa series in round one, mm-hmm. and we're gonna get a New York, New Jersey series in round one. Now Consider the moves that those four teams have made in the last two weeks. Right. Right. Who they picked up. going to the devils even there. Exactly. Exactly. And, and Tampa's made moves Mm -hmm. and New York's obviously made moves and Toronto's picking up every defenseman in the league, apparently uh, (laughs) as we speak. So like, but like two of those four teams are not going to see beyond the first round of the playoffs. Like that is crazy. That just shows you how stacked the conference is. Mm -hmm. Well, when you look at the West, we have to talk about the Ducks as well, too. Ahead of the trade deadline, they made one move today, sending Henry Thrun to the Sharks. Now, it's been a little bit of a slow start, but where do you see the Ducks stacking up in this trade deadline? Uh, I'm going to wonder about Adam Henrique. Uh, That's probably one name that I'm thinking about. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I certainly see some parts there that I think people might be interested in. Uh, I obviously I wouldn't move, uh, any of the, uh, the, the future pieces there, you know, those will stay intact. Uh, there's always this conversation about John Gibson too. Like, mm-hmm. like he's always sort of floating out there, but it always never feels like it gets to like a really, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Like in previous years, goaltenders were so important and maybe the Colorado avalanche winning the Stanley cup with. I think every round that Colorado was in, they were not the clear favorite in that. Like like Darcy Kemper versus mm-hmm. whoever it was, especially the final, right? Like Vasilevsky was clearly the favorite goaltender in that series, right? right. So I suppose maybe if, if we're talking about this being a copycat league, people are just bolstering their depth and looking at the other positions as opposed to goaltending. I mean, the Leafs are a great example, right? Like they're like mm-hmm. Ilya Samsonov, Matt Murray, we're going with that period. In maybe in other years, maybe John Gibson would have been the the um, the prized possession, right? Like in previous trade deadline years, there might have been a, and maybe there have been a lot of calls, but it doesn't feel like all the focus is there, particularly on goaltending. How many quality goaltenders have moved in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, right. Like not many. So no. um, that that paradigm, at least for this season, seems to have shifted. Uh, so that John Gibson would have been a question mark previously, maybe not so much now. Uh, if I'm picking one name, probably Henrique would be one that I'm looking at, and I'm wondering if he will remain a member of the Ducks roster come uh, come the end of trade deadline. But uh, there are still some really exciting pieces on this Ducks roster. Obviously, you look no further than Trevor Zegris, but Mason McTavish too. Even last season, like he was having a great was it eight game span before. Um, uh, being sent away, contract purposes, obviously as a rookie, whatever the case may be. But there's there's still a lot of exciting uh, pieces on this roster that Ducks fans can at least look forward to, mm-hmm. even if it's not the immediate future. Definitely the foundational pieces are being formed there. 
You talk about McTavish, and he had a three-point night last night playing on a line with Troy Terry and Max Jones, really just shining in the game last night, their whole line. And I think that one of the things that Ducks fans has re- have really noticed this season is just his growth and his comfortability on the ice and certainly something to look forward to in the future. Absolutely. And Troy Terry, too. Like, I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, whenever I – uh, as somebody who has to cover the entire league, I don't have the privilege of watching every single Ducks game, in all honesty. Mm. But uh, I do cover every game on In the Crease, and it just seems like Troy Terry's name consistently comes up in quality plays and chances whenever I'm doing Ducks highlights. And, uh, you know, if I'm only like in a highlight, if I'm only talking about what's important and Troy Terry's name is consistently being mentioned, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, from from I, the couple of Ducks games that I have done uh, on on E plus and uh, highlights, reading them on in the crease, Troy Terry uh, certainly and Mason McTavish, like that combination mm-hmm. seems to be clicking. Well, you talk about your work in the studio. I mean, what is how has that been this season? And you know, working with a variety of different analysts as well too. What's the chemistry like behind the scenes? Oh, first of all, congratulations to you on be, being a game analyst on a broadcast. That's awesome. Thank you Great so much. Great to hear that. <laughs> so cool. Thank uh, you. I did see that on Twitter, so that's dope. <laughs> uh, it's it uh, like you know, right? Like it's a dream come true. We're working in hockey. Like how could how much can we honestly complain about it? Right. Uh, I grew up a hockey fan. Hockey was my first love. Has uh, remained my entire life. So uh, to work in hockey is the greatest thing ever, and uh, to do it with ESPN uh, is a dream come true. And, uh, if I, if someone told me this is what you're going to do for the rest of your career, I would not complain one bit. I would be extremely happy and I would, uh, be more than thrilled to uh, continue doing exactly what I'm doing. We have, um, a lot of people don't, uh, behind the scenes, don't get enough credit, uh, where we work and, uh, our producers are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the crew from top to bottom, top notch, uh, very hardworking, pleasant to work with. Uh, very talented at their jobs. And then the the people that you do see in front of the camera, the analysts, uh, just as entertaining on camera as they are off camera. Uh, it's just a joy. Uh, the the crew, the, the entire team is just just wonderful. And uh, yeah, like it, this is this is exactly where I want to be in life. So I'm I couldn't be more happy. I know that feeling. That's how I feel, too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it, it's a pretty great, pretty great. Right. Like lucky us, you know, lock on wood, like we're, you know, happy and humbled and thrilled to be a part of something that we really enjoy, you know, so it's awesome. Now, one of the things that I saw you did earlier in your career was cover weather for the weather network. And I'm curious as to where that interest came from, because I have to be honest with you, I grew up watching the weather channel and Uh it was something that I thought maybe I could see myself as a meteorologist someday. Uh, but obviously sports was the thing that I, I wanted to get into more and storm chasing, maybe not as much, but I've always loved weather. And I thought that was a really cool fact about you. So, uh, (laughs) so the, the, so good point, good point, bringing up meteorologists. So there's a difference between weather reporter and meteorologist, the meteorologist, you go to a degree, you Mm -hmm. get a degree, you predict the weather, you're reading the weather maps, the, 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 um, the uh, radars, et cetera, mm-hmm. that a meteorologist is like the official weather scientist, essentially. Yes. The weather reporter that what I was, was the guy outside, the person outside, pardon me, telling you, oh, it's really cold, wear a jacket, or hey, this is the high and low, and look at this. You know, like you mentioned storm chasing, mm-hmm. a little peek behind the curtain, you'll appreciate this because we're both in the industry. Like whenever there's like a bad storm, 
they will send you to where it looks the worst. Hmm. Like that, that's that because it has to look perilous on television. You can't just go to a field and there's snow, right? Like that doesn't look visually appealing. Like you need like a tree that's fallen or like you need like gust winds or you need like something ridiculous happening, you know, like Mm -hmm. that you need to find the, the, the epicenter of the storm and be either close to it such that you're not like in danger necessarily, (laughs) but like you're there and you're seeing it. Right. So uh, yeah, so ca- the Weather Network was Canada's version of the Weather Channel, a mm-hmm. national weather network. And uh, I did that simply because I'd been laid off from my sports gig mm. and I was just looking for work. And another guy that had also been laid off as part of these mass layoffs ended up getting a job there and brought my name up. It was just, you know, who you know kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Luckily, at that point in my career, he was just like, hey, do you want to try weather? And he was like, I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, OK, we'll send you to Ottawa for a winter. And I was like, OK. Little did I know it was like minus 40 with the wind chill and like it's the worst. Like I, anyone watching this, I highly recommend stay in California. Don't go to Ottawa for winters. It is not fun. Let me tell you. Yeah, it's quite a bit warmer here. I'm from Ohio. I grew up in the Midwest, so I know what the yeah. the real winters are like. Yeah, I love Ohio. Ohio's great. Really? Uh, I, I was just in Columbus. Yeah, oh, I was okay. just in Columbus. Uh, doing stuff uh, there it was awesome. The, the people are super cool. And I don't know, there's like a vibe to people from Ohio, like very personable, <laughs> like just nice, typical, uh, happy, welcoming people. I Thank don't know. <laughs> One of the nicer states, I would say. You in Minnesota, I think it's like battling. Similar. <laughs> well, there's yeah. probably a reason that Johnny Gaudreau wanted to play in Columbus with the Blue Jackets then. <laughs> I guess so, right? I guess so. That's a good point. <laughs> What did he say again? What was this quote? It's like, it's far enough for people not to bug me for tickets all the time, but close enough that once in a while my family will come visit or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was it. Good, great distance. Like, this is why I'm choosing my NHLT. Like, the geographical distance is great. <laughs> well, Arto, one more thing before I let you go. Uh, tell Ducks fans, what, what do you like to do in your off time when you're not covering uh, any sports for ESPN? What What is Arda's life like? Uh, well, uh, Alexis, obviously, uh, we consume hockey 24 mm-hmm. seven. Uh, that's all we do. Uh, we do nothing else but hockey. Uh, if it's not NHL hockey, we're at rinks of all levels. Uh, we're either playing, watching, writing notes. That's it. That is it. 16 hours of hockey followed by four to five hours of sleep and then a couple of meals in between. That's it. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what am I doing? Well, I have a family. So like a lot of my time is spent with my kids. It was just outside. Actually, it's snowing here. There's a lot of snow. So we built a Built a snowman, or as my uh, daughter was calling it, an Olaf. Uh, so we built a couple of <laughs> Olafs in the backyard. Uh, a lot of family time. Uh, I am a gamer, a big video game guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the uh, just random whatever games there are. Uh, big Zelda guy, big Mario guy, big hockey video game guy. So I'll play a lot of games. Uh, but other than that, you know, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of, uh, yeah, those would be like the two things, I suppose. But uh, but hockey is a, is 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 life, as they say. So uh, a lot of my time is spent either watching games or talking to people about hockey or, you know, meeting people like yourself for the first time, which is always a thrill. So, uh, so yeah, that's the community's fun. I, I love the hockey community. Like we're, we're mm-hmm. tight knit community. It's a smaller community in the pantheon of sports, but uh, a lot of cool people in it. So, yeah. Arda Ocal, thank you so much for joining us on duck stream. And, uh, we'll tune in soon to see you on ESPN covering the NHL. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. I'll be happy to come on again. Last shout out I would love to give uh, the Duck social media team. I think they are among the best in the NHL. Mm. 
mm. I have to say. Thank they're, you. They're pretty good. I will usually let them know too. on. Yeah, please <laughs> let them know. Uh, they are usually on point. Like they <laughs> they don't miss that often, especially with. Uh, I like their victory celebration. Uh, ben Quack Fleck, I think it is. Did I get ben that right? Ben Quack, yes. Aff Quack. Ah, I got it wrong. I got He's it wrong. Awesome. No. He is awesome. Uh, yeah, that and then like just other things. Like they 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 typically uh, they typically hit. So uh, shout out to them as well. Thank you. It's hard to believe it's only Tuesday in this week, and we have plenty of time before that deadline on Friday. And it's now time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. The Ducks will continue at home on Wednesday night when they host the Washington Capitals. They also will look to keep riding this three-game win streak and some momentum into this game, having started the win streak against the Capitals last week. Now the puck drop will be at 7 p.m. And make sure to tune in here on DuckStream for the pregame show at 6.30. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again this week for more Hockey Talk on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.